so sorry. Yani, I'm sorry guys. You don't even know like today my cat was sick and then it puked on my computer like gosh and then after that there was traffic. I don't know where the president was going directed. Like you wouldn't believe how crazy. Like man I'm <sighs> what? And then I thought I was late but nobody else is here so it looks like I'm not so late after all. Don't you just hate it when people are late? <laughs> now, I understand there's this thing called African time. And you know, for many people, it's no biggie for them when they agree to be somewhere and then an hour and a half later, they come running in and it's like, oh my gosh, did you wait long? Uh, and you're wondering, do you really want me to answer that question? <laughs> like seriously, you're coming this late. And, and you know, I, want, I have to say this, let me just be fair. I know for some people, being late has nothing to do with rudeness. You know, there are those people who are time conscious, uh, time conscious people, and then there are those people who are event conscious people. It's like, you know what, they just go with the flow. You know what I mean? It's like I was, I was supposed to meet you and then something came up and I had to attend to it. I mean, what's the big fuss about anyway? I mean, do you have friends like those? Anybody in the house, you don't have to put up your hand if you're an event conscious person. Now, let me say this, it's one thing when people are late. However, it's quite a different thing when it's God who is late. You know, they say that God is always on time, right? It's like, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a life and death situation when you were expecting God to show up and it was an urgent, time-sensitive issue and then he just failed to come on time? I mean, maybe you're even in a situation like, like that right now. Uh, you're, 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 you're thinking, God, like, like you better come through because if you don't come through, I'm going to be kicked out of my house by this evening. And it's like, tick, tock, tick, tock, and there's no God showing up. Or maybe you're like, God, if you don't step in and provide, I'm going to be kicked out of school. It's like they need the money today. And it's like, tick, tock. TikTok, there's no God showing up. God, if you don't heal my child quickly, the bills are accumulating. I'll be left with a huge bill I can't manage. And it's like TikTok, TikTok, and there's no God showing up. And sometimes the worst thing happens. The thing you feared came, comes to pass. What do you do when God shows up late? You know, we've been going through this series, an important series called Behind the Scenes. And we're talking about the universal frustration that we feel as people. Many of the times when, 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 when we feel like what we needed was for God to show up for us, to enter the stage of our lives, to call out direction. And instead, nothing happened and we're left wondering whether God is still on the director's seat or whether he's, gone, he's left us alone on set and gone on a bathroom break. And so far we've learned, a couple of very powerful people we've learned from, we've learned from John the Baptist, the man who feared God and who lived out his purpose, but at his deepest point of need, when he prayed for God to save him, God was silent about his situation. And we learned a very important thing, a truth that we must always keep in our hearts when we face situations where God is silent. We learned this, that even when we don't see his hand, we can always 
Trust his heart. We can always trust his heart. And last week, we moved on and we began to learn from this man called Paul, one of the most influential Christians who ever lived. He wrote over half the New Testament, started churches across half of the, the known world. And, and he took all kinds of abuse, took, made all kinds of sacrifices to make sure people knew about Jesus. But yet when he asked God to deliver him from a painful and perhaps even embarrassing situation, God said a flat no. And we learned in this case, what happens when God says no? That we must understand that my weakness is my opportunity to display God's strength. And so today's message is entitled, When God is Late. What do we do when God is late? Some of you are there right now. You're begging God to intervene on your behalf. It could be in your family. It could be in your finances or maybe even in your marriage. And, and you feel like God has the power. You know he has the power to intervene. And you're wondering, come on God, why are you taking your sweet time? Why aren't you stepping up? And maybe for some of you, God has already showed up late. It's already late. He didn't show up as he was meant to. Your loved one still died despite all the prayers. Your child still messed up with drugs. Despite all the intercession and the prayer meetings, your business still went under. You still lost your job or you got kicked out of your house. And you're thinking, if only God had come through like he was meant to, I would not be in the situation that I'm in right now. And maybe for some of you, you've not even been in church for a long time. Maybe this is the first time you're coming back to church for a long time. You've been disappointed because of this God who is always late. And if you've ever felt this way, I want to tell you that you're not alone. Please turn with me. I want to turn in the word of God to John chapter 11. There's a story there where, where God literally shows up late. It's an amazing story. And, and, and I want us to read it together. John chapter 11, we're going to read uh, starting right from the start, starting from verse 1. And John chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary whose brother Lazarus now lay sick was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. <laughs> what? And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. I mean, the first character in this story is described as, to Jesus as the one you love. Now, let me just say this. Jesus loves everybody, right? And he loved everybody. So for someone to be described as the one you loved, they must have known, these sisters must have known that this guy's relationship with Jesus was special. I mean, they must have been really good friends. And this guy that Jesus loves is sick. He's deathly sick. He's dying. So his alarmed sisters, they send word to Jesus, come, do something about it. Now, interestingly, the writer of the passage, he notes a very interesting thing. He says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, by the way, you read the Bible, there's no, you don't hear this in any other miracle story. Like Jesus is about to heal somebody and then they say, and Jesus loved this person. 
It's like there must have been a really special family. I don't know why they're so special. Maybe they are Jesus' family friends. Maybe they're people who went to the same high school with him. Maybe they're just those bosom buddies, those people, you know, BFFs forever. And they were close to Jesus. And, 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 and somehow people knew this. And of course, when you sent word, I mean, the, the passage even says Mary so, was so close to Jesus. She's the one who washed his feet with her hair. I mean, it's like it doesn't get more special. It's like these guys are tight. They are close. And of course, when you know someone loves you, when you know someone has a soft spot for you, you expect that when you're in trouble, even if no one else comes, that one will come. Like that's the expectation you have. That's the expectation I have. When, I, when somebody's really special to me, when I tell them I'm sick, when I tell them I'm dying, then they stop everything and they come. But here's the crazy thing. When Jesus hears the news, he seems to minimize he minimizes the urgency of the request. He, 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 he doesn't even say, he, he says, this sickness will not end in death. It's like, really, Jesus? I mean, at least tell them sorry. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry about the pain. Like, tell them, look, look, get well soon. Send them a card. Do something. It's like it won't. And he says, this thing is actually supposed to glorify me. Oh, come on, Jesus. I mean, this sounds so insensitive. And then it says, because he loves them, he does nothing. He stays for two whole days and continues to do the things that he was doing. How, how's that for a loving friend? And, and, and it's such a shock for people. It's like, what a shock. Like Jesus does that. It's like he's late. And then we skip ahead to verse 11, and we see what Jesus then does after that. It says, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, <laughs> but I'm going to wake him up. And his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, He'll get better. <laughs> Jesus has been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, but for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go so that we may die with him. Now, I have to say, first of all, let's call a timeout at this point, Jesus. It's like we need to talk. This is crazy. Like two days ago, you told us that this sickness will not end in death, right? Yes. And then now you're saying he's dead, right? Yeah. And, and you knew he was going to die all this time, right? Yeah. You let Mary and Martha go through all the agony of nursing their dying brother. I mean, that's not a small thing. And you did it all for your purpose, right? Yeah, and, and you're even happy because you say you're glad for the disciples' sake that you are not there to keep him from dying, right? So that your disciples can believe, right? Like, Jesus, what could be so important for your disciples to learn? Like, what could be so important that you would allow a family that you love to go through agony and pain and suffer, suffering? Like, Jesus, let, let's be honest. Why, why didn't you just save the guy? And then teach your disciples the lessons. You're the best teacher that ever was. Surely, I'm sure they would have understood. Like, like, these are the kind of questions, guys, that have made many people walk away from church. I mean, it's like, it's like when we understand that God exists, that he could have done something to intervene in our situation, and yet he didn't. He came through late. And it's not just to anyone in this case. It's, it's to Mary and Martha. It's, it's to people who he loves. People who love him right back. They're people who he, they knew, if I call out to this one, when I call on Jesus, he will do everything. He'll stop everything for me. They knew that. They must have known what he was capable of. They had seen him heal all kinds of people, strangers he didn't know. 
And so, of course, the assumption is if he can do that for strangers, we're his friends. We're people he loves. I'm sure they had no doubt Jesus would come through for them. In fact, I can suspect when, when people were, 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 were panicking uh, around them, they must have told them, don't worry, Jesus is coming. <laughs> we send the message. <laughs> and, and, and when their family members are coming and they're pulling their hair out, it's like, no, no, relax. Jesus is on the way. I'm sure, I'm sure they were reassuring guys, no, no, guys, we've got this. We've got this. Jesus is coming. I have no doubt. And maybe every morning they woke up saying, this is the day. I'm sure today is when he's coming. He hasn't come yet. He's a bit delayed, but I'm sure he's coming. There's a plan. There's a purpose. And they waited and they waited and people are watching them and the stakes are getting higher and higher. And finally, the thing that they feared the most happens. Jesus is late and Lazarus is dead. Jesus was not there when Lazarus was sick. Jesus was not there when Lazarus died. Jesus was not even there for Lazarus's funeral. I mean, how cold is that? He shows up four days after the burial. I mean, isn't this where we live sometimes? Probably some of you are right there. You've heard that God has done it for others. And you know he can do it for you. And you're like, God, I need it done now. Just like you came through for somebody at 4.30 prayer meeting. They shared how God came through for them. And I know you can do it for me. I've watched other people get jobs when they prayed. And I know my turn is coming. And Lord, I'm waiting for you because how come I haven't gotten mine? And, and Lord, I've seen people nurse babies. I've seen people come for the same prayer I came for. And they came with testimonies. And they're now holding, bouncing babies. How come we're not holding our baby? Lord, we're getting older. Lord, I've been praying for a husband. I've seen people around me receiving the answer to their prayers. And yet here I am. I'm still single. And it's, it's getting late. And I'm growing older. And I'm about to give up on this dream because Lord, you are late. And we're left struggling. Did I do something wrong? Was it something I said? Was it something I did? And is God even real? And our story continues, by the way, because it says in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them on the loss of their brother. So Jesus doesn't come, but the Jews actually showed up. And, 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 and Martha heard that Jesus was coming so she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Mary stayed at home. And I believe many of, you, many of you here can identify with Mary. Lazarus is dead and buried. Why would I rush to meet Jesus? Because I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm disappointed. I trusted in him. If Jesus had come on time, my brother would not have died. If, 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 if you are not planning to come, why didn't you at least send us a message so that we don't get our hopes up? We thought you were coming. We were waiting for you to come. We had sent a message to you. You seem so busy with your work, loving strangers more than you love your own friends. Why are you even here right now? That's how, be, that's how I've been thinking for us, Mary. Why, why are you even here right now? And Mary was in a mess. But Martha, who's more of an optimist, I believe, she rushes out to meet Jesus and listen to her words. This is what she says to Jesus, verse 21. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now, God will give you whatever you ask. I'm not sure she really believes that. Because Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, I know he will rise again at the resurrection 
on the last day. And it's like Mary is like, I know, Martha is like, I know, I know. I know he's going to rise again. I've been told this by people already. I mean, I know he's in a better place. Do you ever hear that in funerals? He must, he's going to be a better, in a better place. He's with God. God always takes the best ones first. I mean, they say, people say all manner of things in funerals. And Ma- Martha is like, I'm done. I've had all this. But fortunately, Jesus is not done. Because he looks at Martha and he says some very powerful words. And these words are extremely important to us. Especially if you're in a season right now where you're feeling that God is late. And this is what Jesus says, verse 25. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I believe Jesus today is asking people, do you believe this? You know, this is a very interesting question because it's a question that's much easier to answer when you still have your job. <laughs> when, 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 you st- when your loved one was still alive and you had hope. When you still hope to get married before 30. When you still hope that your business would not go under. It's an easy one. Do you believe in me? Of course I do. But that's a hard question to answer when you're burying your loved one. It's a hard question to answer. Or when you've waited for so long to get married that you've given up. When, when the children haven't come. When your children are lost in drugs, do you believe me? Do you believe this about me? Even with all you've experienced, knowing I could have kept it from happening, do you still trust me? Jesus is asking Martha, do you, do you believe I am who you thought I was, even though I've not done what you thought I should do? Do you still believe in me? Things may not have gone how you expected or how you envisioned. Things may not be exactly what you hoped. Your prayers were not answered in the way that you expected. But Martha, does the fact that I chose not to give your brother life obscure from you the fact that I am the bread of life? Have you forgotten this thing? Do you trust in me only when things go your way? Or do you still believe in me when things don't go your way? Is your faith in the gift or is it in the giver? You know, Martha seems to get it. It's a hard question, but she seems to understand because she says to the Lord, yes, Lord. Verse 27, yes, Lord. She replied, I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. She's saying basically, even even though nothing has changed in my circumstances, I recognize that you are in control. I choose to trust you. And after she said this, the Bible continues. She went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here and she's, he's asking for you. When, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. This time she's ready. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. So Jesus hasn't even moved forward. He's kind of waiting for Mary to come to him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. I mean, that's how distraught she was. I mean, she just got up and they're like, oh my God, let's follow her because we don't know what she could do to herself. Verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same statement that Martha made. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, And also the Jews who had come along with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And verse 35 says, Jesus 
wept. You know, verse 35, this is the shortest verse in all of scripture. Jesus wept. This is one of the most powerful verses in scripture. Jesus looks at Mary, the one who had stayed at home, the one who had wanted nothing to do with him, the one who is now weeping in desolation because she's lost her brother and doesn't believe anything can ever bring him back. He looks at this one, and instead of castigating her for her lack of faith, he weeps with her. He weeps for her. This is staggering. I don't know what you make of this passage. I don't know what you make of it, but the God of heaven and earth, the one who has all power, who sees the end from the beginning, the captain of the armies of heaven, that he looks at her and he weeps. He weeps for her. Weeping is not a, few, a little tear that he dabbed with his, with his finger. He wept. He cried. And I believe that Jesus is saying this word to somebody today. He's saying, my son, my daughter, I may not have acted the way you wanted me to act in that situation when the worst happened to you, but I never abandoned you. I never abandoned you. I'm not too big to understand your heartache. I'm not too almighty to feel and understand how impossible your life feels right now. I see your brokenness. I see it. I see your pain. I feel it. And, and I feel your sense of abandonment. And I know it, what it is you're going through. My heart breaks for you. Now, you know, sometimes this doesn't make sense. How does a powerful God not have the power to stop me from suffering? I, I, I struggle to understand this until I remember that I too have been in situations like this. When my, when my children were young, I was a designated parent who took them to the doctor. And, uh, you know, many times when they were toddlers, I mean, kids just, they kind of know hospitals are not always sweet places to be. So when they start seeing us turning into the hospital, there'd be a memory and the child might start looking agitated. And I'm the father, so I'd be like, look, I mean, I know they're sick or maybe they're not even sick, they're getting an immunization. I'd be, don't worry, daddy's here. Daddy's not going to let anything bad happen to you. And I'm carrying that child, I'm bouncing them on my lap and they're like, yes, I'm going to believe daddy. Uh, then we enter the doctor's, hospital, uh, doctor's office and then the doctor gets that little stethoscope, it's cold and they're poking them with it. And the child is like, ah, uh, the last time this happened, things didn't go very well. And they look at me like without a look of no. I can't believe this is up. And I'm like, no, 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 relax. I'm here. I got you. And then the doctor says, okay, hold them and gets the needle out. And then they look at it and they have the way they used to tap it those days. And you see a little drop coming out. And the child is looking at me like, trust you? Really? And at that point, it's my job to restrain that child. So I'm holding the child down. And the child is looking at me as they start to yell and scream and panic and I'm looking at them and I'm like oh god I, I don't want to do this and, and 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 they're screaming at the top of their lungs and there's a pain of the needle but there's also the pain of betrayal and they look at me like how did you say you, I could trust you how did you say I could protect you I mean they had words I'm sure that's what their little mouths would have said at that point like how could how could you do this with me how could you conspire to bring me this pain and you know, sometimes I really do remember having tears in my eyes as I held my child down. Because I wished I could say to them, you need this. It's going to save your life. This is, this is how you're going to mature and become an adult and not get polio or whatever disease that we're immunizing you from. But even if I said those words, they would not have been able to understand them. 
And so I'd weep with them and I'd be holding my child as I restrain them and praying for them. And I understand how God can weep because he knows we don't understand. He sees the big picture and he knows what we're walking through and he weeps with us. You see, God loves you so much. Even in those moments when you feel he has abandoned you and doesn't care, he weeps. He weeps with you. Jesus wept. He weeps with you. And, 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 and we know how this story ends. We know that Jesus is, able, is about to bring up Lazarus from the dead. But at that situation, at that point, he weeps as he understands the pain that these people are going through. And you know how, what happens next? He walks up to the tomb. He's taken to the tomb. And, and, and he commands Lazarus to come forth. And Lazarus comes, this dead man who's been buried for four days, who should be smelling by now. He comes forth all dressed in bandages and they remove the bandages and, and he's alive. And many people trust God as a result. And it's like, what a miracle. What an amazing thing. We're so happy that this is a great victory story. But here's the thing that we all miss when we read this story. Do you know? that Lazarus was one of the few people who was ever created who had two funerals, which means that people cried for him twice. Because I believe if he died when he was older, his wife, you know, people sometimes think people cry more if you've been married a short time because you're still young. Actually, the longer you've been together, the more painful it is to lose a loved one. And I wonder whether his wife wept bitterly and his children wept bitterly at the fact that their father had left them. And, 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 and it's like the wife has lost a lifetime companion. The children have lost their daddy. That actually happened twice for this man. And Jesus sort of intimates because a few chapters later, he tells us the nature of the world we live in. It's a world of pain. John 16 verse 33. Jesus would say these words, In this world you will face trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, God has the power to heal. Yes, he has the power to heal. He has the power to provide. But our faith must be bigger than our circumstances. Our faith just can't be about physical healing alone. It can't just be about miraculous provision alone. It can't just be about uh, good times. God wants us to have an immovable faith. A faith that is not dependent on things happening to us. A faith that is content with God being with us. That's what God wants for us. And here's what God is saying to everyone who is here today. Don't put your faith in the gift. Put it in the giver. Put it in the giver. I don't know, maybe you've been stuck in that situation for a very long time now. And your faith in God is stuck in that place right there with you. But as you're feeling that God has abandoned you, as you're feeling that God is late, the comforting thing about this passage is that number one, God feels your pain. God feels your pain. He's not this cold, unfeeling God. He feels it. He weeps over us. He never abandoned you. And he's weeping over you right now in your pain and in your lostness, even as you go through that fire. But here's the other thing that I believe, that God's power goes beyond where your faith has stopped. That you've been praying in pain that God would remove that situation, and he can. But what happens tomorrow? Because there'll be another situation. This is the world we live in. Your healing will come and you will live to be 90, but then what? You will still die. <laughs> I know this sounds like a really crazy message, but it's a truth. You get that promotion and you take home a huge salary, but then what? Money will not satisfy you. You get married and you have someone in your life for that season, but then what? Again, there's new pain that will face you. In other words, we can't live for the moment. We can't serve God for just that moment. God wants us to have a much bigger faith where our allegiance is not to the gift, 
but it's to the giver, the person who provides. Don't put your faith in the gift, but in the giver. This is what I sense God is saying to every single one of us today. The giver, he's the one who is a source. He knows all that we need. And if you put your faith in the gift, you'll need another gift tomorrow. But if you put your gift, faith in the giver, you will always have him in your life. You see, God doesn't want us to have an event-based faith. He wants us to have the kind of faith that sees beyond our ambitions, beyond our expectations to the bigger picture that Jesus has for, for us. G uh, verse 25, Jesus says to Martha, to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. When God seems late, he's not limited by your circumstances. There's a much bigger reality that he has at play. And you have to believe in him, not in the things you want him to give you. He's about the bigger picture. He's about the bigger plan. Would you believe that God has a plan for you right now? And even that pain, that platform of pain, he can glorify himself and bring good for you. Now this message, it's not an easy one for me to preach. And I want to say it's not even one of those emotionally satisfying ones. You ever watch those movies that just leave you, like, like you want a movie to leave you feeling happy. <laughs> you want it to be resolved. But this is one of those passages when I read it, I just feel like there's a sense where God has given us a word to hang on to when everything in the world is saying don't trust. Don't trust God. Don't trust somebody who doesn't come through when they're supposed to come through. That's what the world is telling us. <clears throat> Listen to me. God may surpass your expectations in the issue that you're trusting Him for. And I want us to actually trust God. This coming week, uh, we're going to pray for difficult situations. And I'm believing that this year we're going to see some miracles and some advancement and acceleration that goes beyond anything that any human can explain. And next week, I'm, I'm just encouraging you, invite your friends. We're going to trust God for some big miracles as we pray. God is going to make uh, 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 things happen because He has the power to make it happen. But here's one thing for, for sure that I can assure you. If you trust in Him, God will showcase His magnificent power in your situation. He will make all things beautiful in His time. Yeah, that's what you have to believe. So take your eyes off the circumstances. Stop trusting in the gift. Stop worshipping the gifts. It's time for you not to put your faith in the gift, but in the giver. You see, our Christian faith is anchored on recognizing that God is sovereign and trusting in Him and not His gifts. Trusting in Him when He's silent. Leaning on Him when He says no. Believing in Him even when He seems to be late. And if you continue to believe and trust, you probably will catch a glimpse of the amazing purpose that God has in your life. The amazing things that God wants to do through you. Our God may seem to be late, but He's always aware of the bigger picture. Jesus seemed not to be caring and taking His time, but He understood here's a moment for God's power to be seen. And the Bible tells us many people believed in God in that instance. God is not only aware about what you're going through, He cares for you in that situation and you can continue to trust him because eventually you and those around you will see his glory expressed in your life so here's my last word to you don't trust the gift it's time to start, start to start trust the giver trust the giver not the gift come on let's pray somebody father i just want to thank you for your people i thank you that right now you're bringing awareness there's something you're shifting in our minds. I believe that you're just strengthening our faith. You're giving us spiritual fitness. You're helping us to move away from a faith that is juvenile, that is just dependent on gifts, that is no different from anything else out there. 
and leading us into a faith that is strong, a faith that is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, a faith that is built on the firm foundation of the fact that our God loves us and we know and we know and we know that even when circumstances scream other things to us, we can hold on because it's not the gift that brought us here, it's the giver. And Father, I just want to pray for somebody right now who feels that God has been late. I want to pray for you that God, the Father, would just open your eyes to begin to understand the amazing things He has for you. I pray that you'd begin to open your eyes like Martha and to say, yes, I believe. Ah, Lord, I believe. I may not have seen it in the situation, but I believe you have the best for us. I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. I believe that my life is hidden in you and that, Lord, when I have you, I don't need anything else. Yes, Lord, I, I, I thank you for your gifts that you give us. And I thank you that next week you're going to be giving us great gifts as we pray. But most of all, Lord, I thank you that we have the giver. Because when we have the giver, we have everything we need. And so I just bless your children right now. I pray for encouragement. As we discuss this message, uh, as we talk with our friends about it, I pray that, Lord, you just give us a, a firm resolve to seek the giver and not the gift. We love you, Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty and matchless name. Amen.